Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. For the teaching today, we're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians. It's the seventh book in the New Testament. You've got to go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I think it's the seventh. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those are the stories of Jesus. And then there's a couple more books, and then there's 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1 is where we'll be. Introductory thought. Have you heard of fantasy football? I'm trusting most of us have at least heard of it. How many of you participate in it? A number? Yeah, quite a few. Uh, basically, it's this, I, there's this uh, virtual game going on where people pretend to be general managers of a pro football team. They put together their virtual roster, and it's connected to actual professional players. And so in the game, if your real-life professional players do well, then your fantasy game does well, and you get points, and you can win, apparently, stuff. I want to give you some insight into one of our friends here at church, how they pick their team. Kathy Smarella. Most people look at stats, skills. Here's how, here's how she chooses her team. Who has, who has an interesting name? Seems like a great way to win. So on her team, she chooses people like DeAndre Swift. Right? Because Jalen Waddle. And if you ever want to talk to her about this stuff, um, if you ever want to talk to her, have you ever met anyone who, when they're describing something, they, they kind of think they're cute? Like, so she'll, she says, so one of my team members is Jalen Waddle. And then she says, <laughs> Waddle. <laughs> it's, 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 guy coming up on, the str- up on the screen here, she picked him because his name is Juju. All right, so that's how she picks her team. By the way, this thing that she does, uh, if you ask her about how she chooses her uh, NCAA March Madness uh, bracket thing, she bases it on which team mascot could beat up the other team mascot. So two thoughts from that. One, please do not dismiss Kathy's spiritual skills because spiritually she's spot on so many times. I don't know about the whole other stuff. The other thing is this is an example. Here's why I bring it up. It's an example of a person who makes some choices in an unusual way. Does that like unique decisions? And I would submit to you, we all do this in some ways, typically in some areas of life. I myself, I grew up eating peanut butter and tomato sandwiches. And I still, it's like, now you won't listen to me the rest of the time. It was just a thing. And I've decided I still do that. Others, if you, you, some of you may have a friend who wears short pants 
like all year? Have you met these people? Why would you decide to do that? You know, uh, if, we dis- if we did this, we won't do it. But probably in, uh, in a group of a couple hundred folks here in the auditorium, there's still someone who chooses to use a flip phone. Yet some, you're like, what's a flip phone? It's a little phone <laughs> that doesn't actually have pictures on it. It's just a, and so if you're still using a flip phone, I'm tempted to have you stand so that we can mock you publicly. <laughs> because we don't... All right, so everybody, a lot of... We make these unique decisions, unusual choices. Well, we're going to make a shift here because God is... You ready? God is a God who at times makes unusual choices, I think, to us. Some examples. Maybe you've considered this. When God created everything, after every day of creation, it took six days, he would, he would create and then he would say, it's good. And then he would create and he'd say, oh, this is good. And this is good. And, this. and at the end of the creation, he created mankind. And it's curious to me that in the midst of that creation, he would give mankind free will. Why would you let us write and include in it decisions where we could decide whether we're going to do good or evil? That's, you could argue, that's an interesting choice. Why would he do that? Another one, uh, there's an Old Testament story. It's a bunch of the Old Testament revolves around a man named Abraham. God used Abraham and Sarah to be like the great-great-grandparents of this nation of Israel. And for me, why not pick somebody else, Lord? Because it took Abraham, he was 100 years old when he finally had his first kid. Like, if you were going to build a nation, why not pick, you know, Fred and Fertile Myrtle? Like, why would you start at 18 and just start having, just, no, I didn't like that one. Sandra, you didn't like that one. It just, like, just some of the things that he chooses to do seem interesting or unique. Uh, of course, the greatest strange decision ever is in the midst of generations of rebellious people like you and I. People who ignore God, people directly sin against God. Why in the world would he decide, instead of punishing us, he sent his son to take our punishment that we would be forgiven? Are you crazy, God? Why would you do such a thing? By the way, the answer to that question is love. It's crazy, but why would he love us? It's nuts. So hold those thoughts. Uh, We're in a series called, But God, Two Words That Change Everything. And in this series, we're looking at sections of the Bible where those two words, but God, are present and it usually signifies, like a story will be going on, and then it'll say, but God, and then it will point toward a unique aspect of God. And today we're going to look at the unique way that God, the unique, some of the unique decisions God makes. Uh, all right, First Corinthians chapter 1, the writer, his name is Paul. He's writing to mostly a bunch of his friends. He knows these people, and he's trying to help them understand who God is. Beginning in verse, we'll read verse 20 and then we'll skip to 26. Here's what it says. 
he says to his friends, people that he, most of them, he knows them, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Bounce to verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. That word called, it's a reference to a divine calling. You could appropriately put in there chosen. Choice. Think of what you were when God chose you. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God, there's our words, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. That's as far as we'll go. Title of the talk is The Choice is Obvious, but God. And I want to look at two unique decisions, choices God makes in this text. Side note, I think this is important because most of us, I think, have times where we don't understand why God is doing what he's doing. We go, God, why didn't you do that when I thought you would do this? And, and then you didn't intervene here. And, and part of this is just to get to know him better. As we get to know him better, I think more of life will make sense. By the end of this talk, you'll have no questions ever about why God does what he does. Ha! Okay, but maybe it'll help a little bit. So let's pray. God, uh, I ask, because I know what's coming in the talk, Will you give us great truths and help, it, help us to, no, will you help us to see how this applies to life? Because we don't want to just listen to some information. I don't want to just give some information. Uh, so will you be our teacher? Uh, challenge us. Encourage us. Talk to us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas about choices God makes. The first one is this. When it comes to God's choice, he pref God's choices, he prefers, if you want to write it down, average people. I see this in the text. He prefers, it may not be the best way to say it, but like average people. He doesn't just choose the best people and amazing people. In verse 26, he's talking, Paul's writing to these people that he knows, and he says, brothers and sisters... Think of what you were when you were called, when you were chosen. And he's, by the way, he's asking them to do this. Pause, think of what you were when God chose you. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. It's kind of describing most of you were just kind of average. And so it helps me to picture this, this choice that God makes towards the average among us, which is a bunch of us. Amen? Yeah, okay. But if God were picking 
a baseball team, pretend he's the team captain and humanity was lined up there and he was picking a baseball team. It would go something like this. He would say, oh, I'll take Jack. And immediately some people would think, why are you picking Jack? Because Phil is like way better than Jack. He's, his batting average is, you know, like, and you know, if you had friendship with God, you would say, God, no, 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 no. You didn't mean Jack. You meant Phil. Phil's way better. And, and God would say, nah, I want Jack. And the next pick he might say, I think I'll take Shelly. And someone would, in their brain would be thinking, seriously, Shelly? Lord, if you put her in the outfield, she will pay no attention at all. She'll just be looking for four-leaf clovers, chasing butterflies, or be on her phone the whole time. So you can't put, not Shelly. And it would go on and on like this. So choice after choice he would make, we would be thinking, we're going to get creamed. As a team, this is bad, okay? But God would be solid in his decision-making skill. He would say, that's who I want. And here's why God does this. There's some theology here. You can write this in. God sees people from a different perspective. That's what he does. And that affects his choices. There's so many examples in the Bible of God passing by who we would think would be better and pick someone who it appears to be average or less. I already mentioned Abraham and Sarah when you'd think, gosh, it took them a hundred years to get started in the family thing the right way. Why would you, there had to be somebody better. Uh, I'm going to insert a verse here. It doesn't fit perfectly, but it's talking about Jesus, who, by the way, was the best. But even Jesus, it's like God didn't play his entire hand initially and made him appear average when he wasn't at all. Here's what it says about him. This is an Isaiah. This is a prophetic. It's foretelling about what Jesus will be like when he comes. And it says, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. It says, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Jesus, although he was perfect, it's like God diminished his shine a little bit. A great example of God it would appear that he didn't choose the best person for the situation is a uh, story of David in the Old Testament. Um, God, I can sum it up, God uh, sends a prophet, his name is Samuel, to a father's house. That, the dad's name's Jesse. And Jesse has, I think it's eight sons at this time. And God tells the prophet, go to Jesse's house, I'm going to pick a new king. And when he gets there, there's kind of a, parade of his sons and the sons come in and the prophet then the Lord's going to speak to him and go that's the one and so the first son comes in and the prophet guy is impressed with the first one I might know his name was it Eliab am I making that up I don't know he's Eliab since you don't know we'll just call him Eliab I don't... somebody's going to look it up but anyway the prophet sees this guy and here's what he thinks the prophet thinks Oh, this is going to be a great king. 
guy. Because apparently he was impressive. And the Holy Spirit says to the prophet, nope, that's not him. He goes through seven sons. And every time the prophet's probably thinking, oh, then it must be this guy. And it's like, nope, 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 nope. Gets to the end. And the prophet, because God hasn't chosen any of them. And the prophet then asks Jesse, he says, are these all the sons you have? And they're still, the father says, there is still the youngest. And in this time in history, the youngest, of course, the least amount of skill, the least amount of authority, the, everything. And bring that guy in. And then God says, that's the guy, that's the guy I want. And if we had been there, and there were probably people in the room thinking, what in the world is going on? His older brothers thinking, I can pin him in three seconds. I have, do you know what I mean? Like, all this stuff. But God is like, nope, that's the one I want. Just so you know, just to be clear, this is still God's practice. He still prefers the what we might describe as average. Do you want proof? Look around. Everybody, let's do this. Ready? We've been sitting for a while. Stand up. Everybody, stand up. Do a twirl. Look around. Look at those people. Do you see any raving beauties? Yeah, okay. Are you, uh, yeah, so you're sitting down already. You've given up already. But when you think of the intellectual horsepower that's in the room, like, okay, why did we get, you think of, how about this? Think of the spiritual perfection that's in the room. Oh, gosh. I'm looking around and we're just kind of average and God's chosen us. A lot of us in the room have had an encounter with God where, where God said, I want you to be my son. And we think, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I think, what the heck? You know me, because I know a little bit about you, God. You really don't want me in your family. And he's like, yeah, I really do. He prefers average people. Uh, so how do you apply this to life? Um, this is the this is the thought that came to my mind. So a little bit of a shift here to catch up. Here's an idea. You can write it down. When God chooses me, do I brush it off? It's a question. And if I could go back and redo it, I would just say, when God chooses you, don't brush it off. Don't brush it off. You think, oh, he couldn't be choosing me and he couldn't be wanting me. Uh-uh, because he likes average people like us. I want to specifically talk about three areas not to brush off God when he chooses you. The first one is salvation. There's not really a place on your handout. You can write it down if you'd like. Salvation. If you understand the fact that you are a sinner and Jesus came to pay the price for your sin, to wash away all the sin of your past, all the sin that you might do today, and all the sin of your future, if you understand that, if you get it, don't brush it off. Run to it. Accept it. You think, well, I don't know if I'm good enough. You, you ain't good enough. You're, you're pretty average. But grab on to it. Take advantage of it. Doesn't have to make sense. Take advantage of it. The first time I heard the gospel in such a way that it made sense to me, I declined God. 
I knew something was going on in my heart and in my mind. I knew God was like, get up there and let that guy pray for you. Go. And I'm like, I don't get what, no way. I had all kinds of little reasons, excuses. I'm so grateful that two weeks later, he gave me another shot. And I almost ran forward. Because I'm like, you really? You really want me? Don't argue with God. When he says, yeah, you. Salvation. Blessing. I want to insert this in here. This is basically the idea. If God's giving you something in this season of your life to enjoy, enjoy it. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, talking about people who put their hope in God, and it's describing God, and he says, who richly provides us, Richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. If you've got a good thing going on this afternoon, enjoy it. The last, don't brush it off, would be an assignment. If God's giving you an assignment, he's choosing you and saying, hey, I want you to be the spiritual initiator at your office. I want you to be the Christian person that people all know that you're the Christian. I want you to be the one who's willing to pray for someone. You're the one who people begin to identify. I think they believe in God. I think they have a Bible. Does that mean if God's calling you, giving you that assignment, do not think, well, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I have. Just say yes. If God's giving you the assignment to to be the Christian in your family, if God's giving you the assignment to pray for other people, if God's giving you an assignment, like here at the church, like I'm going to get on a team, I'm going to be the best greeter or the most average greeter we have at the church, at the front door, then be, if I'm going to serve in the children's ministry, I'm going to join a prayer team. Maybe God's saying, I want you to get better at prayer so that you can be on the intercessor. Does that make sense? Any assignment God gives you, don't even go to the, I'm not sure I've got the skills. You probably don't, but your skills plus God's spirit makes a great player. That's the way it works. I'm going to do a little tangent here. Did it in one other service. If you've not heard recently, if you're a Christian, follower of Jesus, and you are not in a present assignment or have not received an assignment for a while, you should take your spiritual pulse. If you're doing nothing, that sounds too harsh. Oh, well. If you're doing nothing, (laughs) like, it's just you and your hobbies and your stuff, and you're serving no one. You're not on a team at the church. You're not doing anything out there. It's just about you. I'm a little bit afraid for your soul. Because God is a God who is on mission, and when he calls us, he calls us to do and to be helpful on the team. So if that's you, wake up. I just did that. That's a wake up and begin to cry out to God. God, show me. I could talk about this for a while. Come on. If you need help with that, like jump on a team here at the church, talk, that's, yeah, okay, we'll go on now. 
No, we're not, 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 we're not going on. That's if you're 15. If you're 15, you're like, no, I'm just 15. I'm just average. No, 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 no. 15, jump in. If you're 50, I mean, I know your body's falling apart, but God can still use you. <laughs> if you're 84, if you're 84 and you're like, no, I'm in the last season, you're not dead. Do something for God. This sounds really harsh, doesn't it, Adam? I'm being, does that? We're going on. God prefers average people. Second thing, gosh, we're going to have to go quick now. He actively resists the elite. This is going to be a fun, edgy point. Might not have thought of this. Actively resists the elite. He actually pushes back on people who are great or think they're great. In the text, it says, but God chose Look at the motivation. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame, this interest, to shame the wise, or people who think they're wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. The word there for shame means, ha shame. It means to, dis to disgrace. Look at this, to intentionally disappoint. It's like blocking their way it's like actively resisting them. This is why it might be new to us and think, oh, come on, God doesn't ever like jump in someone's way and mess them. Does that make sense? Oh, but apparently, some of God's motivation in this text is he's using some of the weak things like us to shame the super people or people who think they're amazing. So I tried to put this idea in a sentence. It's something like this. Of course, this isn't perfect because I'm an average guy. When God sees an arrogant, self-centered, successful person who thinks they are really something, he may or will set them up for an embarrassing failure at some point. He'll just say, I'm just setting you up because you think you're strong, you're not. Story, average story. When I was in high school, it's 1894, something like that, I was in high school. Freshman orientation. I don't know why I still remember this. The entire class, we had, it wasn't a huge, 100, 100, 150 high, high schoolers in the freshman class. We had all gotten into the gym for freshman orientation. And I think like everybody was there waiting for the principal or the assistant principal to tell us some things. And from this side, we're in the gym. From the wrong door on the other side, uh, a young lady came in. And we'll call her Katrina. That's a fun name. Katrina came in. And she came in the wrong door. And we're all the way across. And instead of, I think a lot of people would have realized, oh, wait, I came in the wrong door. I'll go back around. She walked all the way across the gym floor in front of us all. And here's the thing about Katrina. She was really uh, noticeably pretty girl. She... Uh, dressed really nicely, and we were mostly a jeans and t-shirt, you know, high school. And she, it felt like, I don't know what was going on in her heart, but in, it felt like she strutted across the gym floor. You know, if you, if you can probably picture, because she had heels on and a dress, and she was working it. <laughs> she did this thing. Like, does that make sense? Like, Instead of being shy, she'd go, oh, okay. So, by the way, I, I took out my phone. I took a picture of her. 
And she did that across the gym floor. Click, 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 okay? Here's why I remember it. I probably remember it because she was very pretty, but I remember because when she got about 10 feet from where she was going to come up in the stands, she did the heel trip on the heel thing. Okay, here's probably what happened back in the gym when she did that. There were probably a group of people who did what some of you did, like, oh, I feel so bad for her. There was probably another group of people in the stands that thought, you totally deserve that. You come strutting in here with your sequin dress. It wasn't sequin, but I'm sure there weren't sequins. But anyway, does that make sense? Now, here's the idea. We're going to translate that back, back to God. Someone's like, well, good, because this makes no sense. God, just so you know, there are times God would be in the second group of people. He would be like, don't you dare think you are all that and send an angel to trip you. I don't know that he'd... But in this text, it says he does things to shame the wise and the strong. Isn't that interesting? It's important for us to know. Um, we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at a parable. Luke 14 says... Jesus is using this parable to teach people, teach us about the kingdom of God and about the Father. It says, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. By the way, the certain man, this is a representation of God inviting people to a banquet. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. Here's what I would submit to you. These Three representations, at least two of them, these are the people that are more elite, more skilled. They are the ones who are buying a field. In Jesus' day, if you were a landowner, you were doing well. I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm assuming that's two oxen, two yoke in each. So you, that guy just bought 10 cows. If you bought 10 cows, you were doing well. And so here's the idea. The marriage thing was more common. But here's the idea. God is inviting them to his banquet. They've got, their life is so good, or they think it's so good, their banquet, their little, my ten cows, my new farm field, they are declining God's invitation because they have their own little banquet going on. That's bad. Here's what it goes on to say. The owner of the house, that's the Lord, became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Those are all the people who don't have as much going on that are available to come in and respond to God's invitation. It finishes, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So here's some theology 
can write this in. Apparently, God gets a little touchy when declined by a mere human. He just gets a little touchy. This is important for us to know. And just to be really serious, this banquet is an invitation to personal relationship with God. It's, it's an invitation to participation in the kingdom of God. This invitation is an invitation to heaven. And these people are going to miss heaven because of a piece of land. These people are going to miss heaven because of ten cows. Not a good choice. So if we can put up that scripture there that said, uh, I've just bought a field, five yoke of oxen. I think we have that section. You guys are so good back there. Bought a field, five yoke of oxen, just got married. I just want to pause so we get ready to close. Is there a thing in your life you are preferring too much? God is saying, I'm choosing you, I'm inviting you. And it's, it's become more than a hobby, or a, 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 it's become an idol. Does that make sense? By the way, we should have jobs, we should have responsibilities, we should have things that we enjoy, but there's a line there where all of a sudden those things become an idol, and that's when we prefer it over God. And so this is just that time where it's helpful for us all to think, okay, Lord, man, I do not want to miss you. And ask God now or the, today, will you show me over the next days? If something's creeping in so much that you are inviting me, and I'm like, yeah, I can't come. I got this thing. That'd be a horrible thing to miss, wouldn't it? Last fill in the blank. Am I responding appropriately to God's invitations? Let's not miss God. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.